Tim Eccles, thanks for rolling in here this morning. Talking about mm-hmm. there, the money that, that's coming back to Georgia Power ratepayers uh, as part of the Vogel deal. They're going to keep the construction going at nuclear plant. Vogel will spend plenty of time talking about that, I'm sure. Uh, with that agreement came a, a rollback for some Georgia Power customers. As I understand it, 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 it pops up in your bill or there's a credit or some such for $25 or so is going to impact most folks three, four times a year. Yeah, it's just three times. This is the second one. So if folks take a look at their September bill coming coming up there'll be the third one this month is the second one and then i think the first one was in april that was that was 10 percent of the settlement that we negotiated with toshiba so total of something like 188 million i think it was right 90 percent of the money the the total was 1.68 billion Mm. so 90 percent of it was applied to the interest bill that Mm. we had so the pre-charge that everybody had on their bill that should be dropping or it's already dropped if you'll just take a look at your previous bills you'll see it dropped a couple of dollars per month so uh it's it's really been a good year for georgia power uh, rate customers and i'll just remind folks that we haven't had a base rate increase since 2013 you'll probably get one in 19 but Mm. we haven't had one will that be vogel related or no it won't be vogel related it'll just be storm damage related Mm. other things you won't get the vogel hit until the units actually come online. So in 2021 is the first big increase that you'll see. So you still got a couple years for that. Uh, they don't get money for that until those things are working. Uh, how are we doing in terms of getting those things online? Obviously, we know it's over budget. Obviously, no, it's behind schedule. If I understood the original schedule, we should have been getting energy from Vogel. One of the reactors are building two of them. Should, the first were supposed to come online in 16, 17? 17, yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, I had a chance to go to, go to China, um, uh, not at state expense, but went over there uh, as a guest of Westinghouse uh, to see their plant up in uh, Haiyang, and uh, so there's two of these AP1000 plants actually online now. Uh, now, is that so, what we're building here? Yeah, that's what okay. we're building here, and theirs are, uh, frankly, a little more complicated than ours because they're desalinating water out of the ocean mm. for cooling. We're okay. using river water. Mm. So uh, I'm, I'm just really astonished at the, you know, the plant. It was operating, and I came back very encouraged. So you know, we're moving along on our plan over there. I don't, I don't think it's theory anymore. I mean, we know it can work. Uh, so Now, uh, there are obvious differences in the way they build things in China, the way we build things here in terms of uh, the, the bureaucracy and regulations and red tape and the rest of it. Uh, what was their construction timeline like? Yeah, they did have some problems on the welding, just like we did, surprisingly. And, uh, you know, our welding issues came out of Lake Charles, Louisiana, where we had oil and gas uh, rig welders working on nuclear quality stuff and they frankly just didn't uh, measure up to you know to to standards that's required for something like a nuclear reactor in china you know i asked about the welding and they said well but we we weren't we're not using robotic welding we're using all manual labor uh, and the metal was relatively thin uh you know they said and we just had issues really uh having uh having successful wells and we've had to we've had to really work on that so they were behind as well there is a difference tim in how china does things and permitting i mean when you're a communist country (laughs) and the first and second amendment doesn't apply uh, and i wouldn't trade our freedom for for their efficiency but they they were very efficient because they could really plow through it without 
without uh, getting approval from anybody. A friend of the family spends a lot of time over there back and forth dealing with water systems and, of course, that massive dam project from a few years ago. And and he comes back with this line. You've probably heard it before. The horrible thing about communism in China is that uh, it, it, you can – or the great thing about communism in China is that you can build anything anytime you want to. So that's also the horrible thing about communism in China. We just, hey, leave. We're going to take your land and we're going to flood it or whatever we're going to do with it. Uh, yeah, you're right. We have a completely different system here that does lend itself to these types of delays from time to time. That said, maybe ask and answer it already, but refresh my memory. Do we have, can we point to a calendar and say by this year, by that year, we'll be done with this? Well, on November 21 and November 22, we've got some, you know, severe ROE penalties kicking in if they don't finish. So Georgia Power is pretty confident they're going to finish by then, so much so that they signed an agreement that uh, they're going to take a, a, you know, a substantial ROE hit. Uh, So, you know, I mean, it's still a dilemma. It's still, you know, I think if we were deciding today, Tim, whether to build a nuclear power plant, we wouldn't do it. We'd build a gas plant. But... When you're $5 billion into it, yeah. in my opinion, you don't abandon it. South Carolina abandoned theirs. They've had all kind of uh, contentiousness over there. Moody's has downgraded the state. Uh, Scanner's about to go bankrupt unless Dominion buys them. It's, it's been a disaster. And, you know, I think we're going to just trudge through this. And uh, fortunately, China's ahead of us, and we're able to really learn some lessons. All right, enough about China. Let's talk about Russia for a moment. Uh, Tim Eccles with us, Georgia Public Service Commissioner, uh, Republican from Bogart. Uh, Watching just now to see if this Trump-Putin summit's wrapping up. It's not. They started late, and they're probably going to run late. Uh, An issue, you were writing about this Mm -hmm. over the weekend, uh, and uh, hoping that it comes up. Don't know if it will. It deals with uh, nuclear waste processing. Nuclear weapons. Nuclear, Uh, I'm sorry, weapons, yes. Yeah, in 2000, I mean, I, I... I think we all feel much safer about Russia now. The fact that those weapons that they had, uh, that maybe they are under lock and key. But if you remember, uh, you know, in, you know, 15 years ago, we were concerned about rogue nations getting them, rogue generals getting As them. As the Soviet kids. Union was flying yeah, apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So somebody gets one of these and, and does something with it. So the U.S., uh, to, to make things more secure, we agreed that we would take 8,500, 8,500 surplus nuclear weapons. That's a, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. They w- they agreed to take 8,500, including inspectors to watch this, uh, international inspectors, and they were going to destroy 8,500 surplus weapons. And that's definitely in our best national interest. Our part of the deal was radically changing the composition of that uranium, not diluting it, but actually changing it. And we were going to do that through a process called MOX. It's, uh, it's a French process. We've started building that. We're six billion into it over at the Savannah River site, uh, but the Department of Energy and everybody's kind of changed their mind on that now. And the the project's limping along. Congress is giving it about 130 million, you know, per year. Uh, but I I I opined in the Washington Times this weekend that I thought that Putin might bring this up towards the end of the conversation uh, because that was a deal that we had made with him that we're not not really fulfilling. So we'll see. Uh, nothing is indicated that the president is actually going to talk about it. I think it would rec- I think it would take Putin bringing it up. And I, I don't know. That no, where, where, in your understanding, where is our president on this? He, he's uh, he and Rick Perry both are against finishing the project. So they well, then what rationale? Uh, the cost okay. uh, It's expensive. Yeah. Uh, and but hey, and uh, what's the cost of a what's the cost of a 
a bomb going off yeah. in the city. I, I, yeah. mean, I, I mean, what did 9-11 cost us? Uh, I mean, I, I think it's in our best interest to contain Russia and, and being able to just essentially snap our fingers and get 8,500 nuclear bombs of theirs destroyed in their fast reactor, to me, is a, a national security issue. Republican Public Service Commissioner from Bogart is in studio with us now, 917 Classics here today, sponsored by Mark Spain. Let's quickly back to that point. We'll move mm-hmm. on from Vogel. But that's, that, that's a point that's often lost here because people like me and then people who are rate payers and taxpayers and people who are concerned about this will point out, yeah, you're five years behind schedule. To your point there, what's that going to matter in 50 years? Yeah, it, it won. And in fact, if, if I don't know if folks, our listeners agree with me, but I do think one day... You know, we'll have a president and a Congress that impose some kind of fee or tax on carbon, car, uh, on CO2 emissions. And the way Obama tried to do that. Yeah. Uh, so it's not going to happen during the Trump administration. And frankly, I don't want it to happen. I think we're making improvements on this without some kind of heavy hand from the government. But I do think it will eventually happen. And Georgia will be in a much better situation to be in compliance and not have to pay penalties by having this done. So, yeah, we are paying a little bit more now, but I really think that over over time, we're going to be really glad that we did this. You are, I don't want to misstate here, I think I'm right, you're endorsing Casey Cagle in the Republican runoff. Yes, yes. Why? I, I, I'm endorsing Cagle, though. You know what? I mean, if, if Cagle loses, I mean, I will text Brian Kemp that night and say, how can I serve you? Mm-hmm. Uh, I helped Kemp in 2002, uh, you know, waving signs in the rain during his first election. <laughs> I, um, I don't have any problem with Brian Kemp. I'm not getting involved in all this mudslinging going on. I just feel like it's it's Casey's time. He's he's the man or the candidate to me best positioned to move into this and to be able to keep things going in our state. Now Brian's time may be later. It may be now for uh, you know, we'll just have to see. But I, I you know I personally think uh, that that Cagle is going to do the best job in the transition. So I'm supporting him. Uh, what do you, do you and you may you may not know. I, you know. I guess you have any specific inside information there. <laughs> if you do, you might not want to share. What do you know of anything about this report that's out there? There's several of them that popped up over the last 24 hours that Nathan Deal's going to put his thumb on the scale for Casey Cagle today. You know, if you live in Hall County. <laughs> you you got to really be pleased with the way things have gone the last number of years and the and the thought of having a Hall County governor for 8 years and another Hall yeah. County governor for 8 years mm-hmm. and all the quote bacon that they can bring to the region yeah. uh, you you've got to be you've got to be thinking wow a kegel would really help Hall County well you know it, it hasn't escaped my notice when I, I came here 20 years ago and for most of those 20 years we get the monthly employment reports in the Labor Department and Athens would always have the lowest unemployment rate in Georgia that mm-hmm. changed uh, four or five years ago <laughs> suddenly it becomes Gainesville and Hall County well I don't know you tell me that Gainesville and Hall County has the governor and the lieutenant governor something going on there yeah, so I, I do think he, uh, if, if, if Cagle, I think if Cagle's numbers stay, uh, we, in, in another poll, if he's still behind, I think uh, the governor may may step in here. I think they're probably just holding him for an emergency. Well, I mean, it is, I mean, you have to acknowledge, if, again, we take all these polls with a grain of salt, but they all tell us the same thing, which is that this is a very close race. It wasn't particularly close May 22nd. Uh, Cagle had a 15-point lead, 14, 15-point lead coming out of that. He's the one, Kemp is the one who appears to have all the momentum right now. Yeah, and I, and I try to remind my Republican friends, look, you know, we we got to be thinking about Stacy. This is mm-hmm. the year of the woman, and Stacy Abrams 
Uh, I went to Israel with her in 2011. She along is with a sharp day. lady. She's very sharp. She's a Yale, a Yale lawyer. She is, uh, uh, in fact, in fact, um, we gave each other over there on this trip nicknames, and the nickname, with her permission, that we gave her, was Landmine. <laughs> Because because Stacey Abrams may seem quiet, mm-hmm. but you better watch out uh, mm-hmm. because she's smart uh, and uh, Republicans need to take this seriously. So regardless of who wins uh, on the 24th, I'm going to be supporting our candidate. And I, I, and I hope all my friends out there who are involved in throwing mud on both sides uh, agree with me. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying not to get too, too over the top on this uh, because, listen, the, these runoffs are always going to be messy. They're always going to be mm-hmm. rough, and, and, and the stakes are, are tremendously high for both these guys. Uh, I mean, well, this is as bad as I've ever seen. I'm not saying that. Uh, we've seen plenty of, of, of nasty runoffs over the years, but the thing that, that strikes me about this, Cagle and Kemp got to do what Cagle and Kemp got to do. I understand why they had to do what they did or felt like they had to do what they did at that debate yesterday, and they'll do more over the next eight days. What I see in here and out there on social media and elsewhere, their supporters doing what they're doing uh, in terms of just vilifying the other guy. I want to do exactly the same thing you do, which is to remind people that one of these guys is going to win. Yeah, and, and then and, have to face Stacey Abrams in November. And because we always break news when I'm on this show, yeah. I'm going to just break a little bit of All news right, please, here. Yeah. Um, this will be announced later this week, but Casey Cagle has asked me to head up a task force. Uh, I have the other nine members. Um, This task force will scrutinize abortion facilities and personnel to ensure that they are in compliance with all Georgia laws and policies and advise Casey Cagle on suggested actions that need to be taken by state health and law enforcement agencies. This has not been announced yet. It is announced right now. I'll be heading up this in my personal capacity and I'll have nine others with me. We'll meet three different times and report our findings to the lieutenant governor, who uh, will be hopefully the, the nominee. Uh, and he will then, as governor, take action with state health and law enforcement agencies to enforce the suggestions that we make. All right. Now, let, let's all right. You, you break the news. Let's respond to it here and then pick this apart a little bit. First of all, just so everybody knows where everybody's coming from. I and mean, people have heard me talk about this. I, I, I make no apologies and, and, and I don't pull any punches. My position as a pro-lifer, you're the same. I mean, you're, you're if, if there's if it's possible, I think, to be more pro-life than I am. You are. Uh, where's the lieutenant governor on this issue? Well, I think this says a lot about what he's thinking about, the fact that he would uh, and this was his idea, not mm-hmm. my idea. Uh uh, that he would empower this task force to look at small things that these clinics might be doing. For example, doctors who are, uh, you know, who have had issues with their medical license or who aren't uh, admitted with hospital privileges. Uh, some of these clinics are, uh, you know, there, there's things that happen in there, a uterus is torn or other things that. Uh, and and I think the the folks on the pro life side have really wanted to see clinics have to adhere to hospital standards. And All right, well, know, what what's a certain segment of our audience will mm-hmm. hear is that this is going to be a concerted effort to chip away uh, through tinkering around on the margins uh, so called abortion rights as they refer to them reproductive rights. I mm-hmm. always like to point out that abortion is not reproduction, but neither here nor there. They're going to see this as a legislative or as a government effort to whittle away at what they see are reproductive rights. 
Yeah, and, and, I, and I think it is. I, I think what, what the lieutenant governor is trying to do here is to close clinics by the death of a thousand cuts. So, I mean, if they have a parking lot violation, we're going to report it. If there's some light out, we're going to report it. I mean, we're going to, uh, I've got uh, three lawyers on this, uh, on this. I've got a nurse on this, on this task force. And we're meeting this Sunday at an undisclosed location uh, to, to really kind of give out our assignments. Uh, and then we will be reporting back and in 30 days uh, to the lieutenant governor what we believe needs to happen. Now, whether he accepts all of what we say, I, I don't know. We're, I, we're just tasked with giving him the list. All so. right, Tim Eccles, Georgia Public Service Commission. Speaking of Sunday, was it yesterday or over the weekend? Uh, do you and the deaf children, what's this? Yeah, yesterday we had, uh, it was over the weekend actually, there was two, uh, two performances yesterday, two on Saturday, and then one on Friday where um, uh, where the Hands In Theater here, it was a really cute production of Robin Hood um, mm-hmm. for the deaf community. Mm-hmm. And my interest in the deaf community is that my daughter takes American Sign Language and the PSC controls a pot of money that comes off of uh, uh, the bottom of the landline fees to provide hearing aids mm-hmm. and services to the deaf community. So it's something I've taken interest in and I really enjoyed what Haley Beach and her team did yesterday in Watkinsville at the Bright Horizons. Theater. Really, it mentioned quickly, but a little more than a minute here. You get that from a landline fee. That's a shrinking pot, isn't it? It is. It's, it's, it's going away. And <laughs> these companies we regulate that have these uh, that have these landlines, they're wanting more and more subsidies, uh, the legislature's going to have to do something uh, because it's not sustainable. I wouldn't think so. I, I, don't, I mean, I, I don't know people who even have them in their homes anymore. We have them, obviously, for business purposes here. Most businesses do, but good Lord, that's got to be just a shrinking pot out there. Tim Eccles, Georgia Public Service Commissioner, back to where we started here and Plant Vogel, because that's always, that's going to be the consuming headline. One way or the other, Tim Eccles someday is going to leave the Georgia Public Service Commission, maybe be the governor himself, whatever. Uh, that's going to be a part of your, That's I don't like that word legacy, but it's going to be a part of your resume. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I really want to finish it. I, um you know, some people have been trying to get me to look at the FERC position. There's an opening up there in Washington, but I really would like to finish Vogel. I love this job. Uh, I'm not up for re-election until 2022. I'm planning on running again, you know, right now. Uh, it's, it's, uh, so it's just a great opportunity to prepare our state and put it in a better a better situation for the future. Tim Eccles, as always, thanks for riding in. What kind of fancy alternative fuel car do you drive out here today, or did I'm you? I'm in a 2007 Chevy Impala <laughs> that runs on flex fuel <laughs> that, that uh, because the lease expired on my EV, and so I'm waiting to get my next EV, and I'm driving my state car with 147,000 miles. Tim Eccles, thanks for coming in here this morning, sure. Public Service Commissioner.